Empire Lines uncovers the unexpected, often two-way flows of empires through art. Interdisciplinary thinkers use individual artworks as artifacts of imperial exchange, revealing the how and why of the monolith empire. In this episode, Ninka Boka, curator at the Van Gogh Museum, unpacks how the artist encountered Japan in Europe and how woodblock prints shaped his perspectives in the rural village of Auvers, an artist's colony on the outskirts of Paris. I'm Nienke Bakker. I'm the senior curator of paintings at the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam. And we're standing here in our new exhibition, Van Gogh in Auvers-sur-Oise, his final months. Now, Auvers-sur-Oise is a small rural village near Paris, and he was only here for a few months before he died. It's actually where he's buried. How did this short period of time impact his work? Roch was extremely productive in Auvers-sur-Oise. He worked really until the very end, creating more than one painting a day. All in all, he was spending 70 days here, in total, he created 74 paintings there, so that's quite amazing when you think of the sheer number. But also, the diversity in subjects and in style is, is quite amazing. Also, his use of different formats of canvases, he's really experimenting in this particular period, and that's really fascinating to see. We were very pleased to, to be able to get so many of these works together so that our visitors can really see from one painting to the next uh, how he's changing his technique, how he's uh, experimenting in composition, how he's working very quickly, but always very concise. And you really see his mastery uh, as an artist here, I think. Let's stick with Over for now. The exhibition features a lot of archive materials, including postcards which kind of show it as a tourist hotspot of the day, as much as it is now for its affiliation with Van Gogh. Auvers was known at the time as a sort of cradle of Impressionism. Can you tell me about the networks that Van Gogh was part of whilst he was here, both local and also global? Well, Van Gogh didn't choose the village by coincidence. It was suggested by him, actually, by Camille Pissarro, who was a well-known uh, artist at the time, part of the Impressionist group. So Camille Pissarro suggested to Theo Van Gogh uh, when they were looking for uh, a place for Vincent to move to because he wanted to, to leave the asylum where he was uh, staying a year in the south of France that they seek contact with its doctor in Auvers-sur-Oise. His name was Dr. Paul Gachet, and he had been in Auvers uh, for several years. He was friends with some of the Impressionists, with Camille Pissarro, but also with uh, Paul Cézanne, for example, acquainted with many artists, so he understood artists. So Auvers was known as a place where artists went to depict the countryside. It was a very calm, um, beautiful, small village surrounded by fields and hills. So it was a coming and going, really, of artists there. And Van Gogh didn't really belong to a specific circle there. He kept very much a part of, of the artists who were there. But um, he was aware of other artists having lived there and worked there. And so for him, it was a very logical choice to go there, to be close to Paris, to his brother Theo, but also to be with beautiful uh, nature. He found the countryside really beautiful. He felt immediately in place there and he went on to record all his new surroundings. 
It's so interesting because we see Auvers as this ambiguous setting, what would have then been called an artist's colony, mm -hmm. but it's yes. both close to the city and incredibly yes. rural. So the way that the artists engage with it as a space is really interesting. And it's especially interesting that Van Gogh really used this place to create so many different paintings and changed the way he looked at it all the time. Van Gogh himself felt part of the Impressionists um, as the larger group, so sort of the younger generation, as opposed to Monet, Renoir, uh, Pissarro, who were an older generation who were already enjoying some success, uh, selling their pictures, exhibiting, whereas the new group of artists, among them Paul Gauguin, also Van Gogh, Toulouse-Lautrec, for example, Emile Bernard, they yet had to make a name for themselves. So Van Gogh was part of that group and it was very much an international group. There were also other artists not from Paris or from France, especially in Auvergne. There were also foreign artists, not just French artists, not just Van Gogh, but there was also a Spanish artist who was working there at the time, a group of American uh, artists actually spending the summer there. It was a, a well-known place and it was very convenient, of course, because it was so close to Paris. So you could even go there for the day to paint and then come back to the, to the capital where everything happened uh, in the center of the art world. Unlike, say, Gauguin, Van Gogh didn't feel the need to travel in order to experience the world. And he was in contact with a lot of global art in Paris, especially Japanese art. We're standing in front of a work called Old Vineyard with Peasant Woman and it's shot with blue, all different shades. Where did he pick up this colour in particular? This is a work on paper but it's done with oil paint and watercolour and it's an interesting choice and we were wondering why would he have chosen specifically only blue and in fact there was this huge exhibition of Japanese art, prints, uh, which were very popular among artists at the time. We know that he visited this exhibition in Paris before coming to Auvergne, just the days before he arrived here in the village and he was absolutely admiring the Japanese printmakers for their use of color, for their remarkable compositions, um, their kind of new way to look at the world which was something that he learned a lot from for his own compositions and this has been an influence on his work for many years already and especially in Provence when he was working and living in Arles he was using very strong colors but also concise compositions strange cut off perspective reminiscent of Japanese prints so this was an important influence on his work but here he may have chosen to work almost only in shades of blue because he had been able to see Japanese prints in blue tones, especially by Hokusai, who was the most famous uh, Japanese artist. And we think there may be a connection there, that he actually did this quite large drawing to, to pick up that example. And he was thinking of doing a painting of this specific subject, but in the end he didn't. But it's interesting that he, that he worked it out uh, so beautifully in these, these blue tones. In a later portrait, one of the doctor, Dr. Gachet, and one of the daughter of the innkeeper, Adeline Ravoux, those are portraits in blue, mostly. And blue is really the dominant color. And this may have been prompted by the Japanese prints in blue tones that he saw in the exhibition. Of course, we cannot prove it, but it's a very interesting connection. Even in his landscapes, they often look like woodblock prints in yes. paint. You can see Fuji in the background. Sometimes it's superimposed onto the French landscape. But let's return to the portraits and the drawings because there's also an image of Marguerite Gachet, Dr. Gachet's daughter. Could we say that that was also influenced by Japanese prints? 
That portrait of uh, Marguerite Cachet at the piano was definitely uh, influenced by Japanese prints, and we know so uh, because uh, Dr. Cachet's son later said that, in fact, Van Gogh had two Japanese prints of Japanese women on his wall, and these were very uh, elongated formats. So in doing the portrait of Marguerite Cachet, he elongated her figure to make it look like a kakemono, which is a vertical print uh, specific type of format in Japanese printmaking. And he was very much uh, interested in that. He worked on a very unusual canvas format, which was one meter by 50 centimeters, which was a format that he'd only used so far for landscapes. So by choosing that format and uh, then turning it, making it a vertical one, he chose a typical format, which was reminiscent of Japanese prints. And he then made her into this more elongated figure. And when you're comparing it to the drawing that he did of her, the, the preparational drawing, you can see that he's actually stretched her body and her the whole composition basically to fit it very nicely into the format of the painting. And upstairs we see a drawing by Van Gogh of some Egyptian architecture. Can you tell me a bit about this piece of work and how he came to encounter Egypt in Auvers? Well that's that's a quite a funny uh, story. Uh, there's these drawings that he did in Auvers of a, of a head, an Egyptian looking head, it was a, an architectural element, basically, of uh, an entrance gate to uh, a villa, which was built in Auvers. There were a lot of Parisians having their second home in Auvers, so maybe this was one of them. And he used blue, again, blue uh, chalk for it. Van Gogh clearly was fascinated by this particular head because he, he drew it several times and he made it almost into a portrait it's very close to this strange portrait of a of a young boy that he does in Auvers-sur-Oise. We don't have it in the exhibition, but it's the the way he's drawn the Egyptian head is similar to the to the boy's face. So there may be a connection there of him then doing a portrait more or less based on this Egyptian type um, head, which was just an architectural element in Auvers, but he used it and transformed it into something else. Yeah, we were quite puzzled by why he would have been particularly attractive to this motif, but he was always fascinated by arts from other cultures, and this was a way for him to transform it. With its diversity of media and forms, this exhibition really challenges our stereotypes about the artist and his practice at the end of his life. And one of those stereotypes is the fact that he wasn't so well recognised during his career. In fact, in those final two years, he was part of three public exhibitions that were organised in order to coincide with the universal exhibition that's taking place in Paris at that same time. How aware was Van Gogh of himself as an artist at this point within international art market? He knew that there was some interest in his work. He was a bit reluctant. On the one hand, it was good that his work was written about, but he felt a bit um, unsure whether he was really up to the task. There was this important article published early 1890, so shortly before coming to Auvers, and this was uh, written by a symbolist critic. And he really proclaimed Van Gogh 
uh, a pioneer of, of symbolism, of modern art, and Van Gogh was feeling that was really uh, a bit too much and he was afraid he couldn't live up to it in a way. But on the other hand, he was sending this article to, to several people. There were two sides of him. I think it's very revealing in the letters that were written to Theo after Vincent's death by artists saying how important he was and that it was important work that he was making. Uh, I think that says a lot about his place in the art world at that time and that it would only have been a matter of time before he would actually have known more wider spread fame. Yeah. This is one of three exhibitions at the Van Gogh Museum celebrating its own 50th anniversary and it's a collaboration with the Musée d'Orsay in Paris where it will be on show later on in the year. Earlier on you were talking about the sort of diplomacy required for curation. Can you tell me about that process and how you've established or re-established different international connections? Well, working on an exhibition and getting together these works from different collections is always a long process. We started five years ago working out the ideas for the show, starting the research, establishing the first wish list, so to speak. There's nine paintings from the collection of the Van Gogh Museum, there's eight paintings from the Musée d'Orsay, and the rest, so basically uh, the other 30-something paintings, they come from all across the world, mostly from the United States. Uh, there's one from Finland, one from Sweden. Um, there's several from Switzerland. So there's a lot of different uh, places where these paintings have come from. These paintings, they are in collections which often just have one or two paintings by Van Gogh. So to part with these paintings is not easy, of course, because it, they are often a highlight of the collection. So we were lucky that so many museum colleagues were favorable to the idea of seeing their own work in this context. Of course, it's the context in which they were created. So this show could only have been done by our two institutions it won't be possible to, to gather these paintings again. I think that was a very strong thing that, that made actually it very convincing that it would be the proper thing to do to lend to this show. The once-in-a-lifetime aspect to see their works reunited. And it's incredibly moving to be in this space. Thank you ever so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Well, thank you. It's a great pleasure to show it and to share it now with our visitors. Van Gogh in Over, his final months, runs at the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam until the 3rd of September 2023, and then the Musée d'Orsay in Paris until the 4th of February 2024. For more, you can read my review in The New European. You'll find all the links in the episode notes. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. No, you go first. Empire Lines is produced by Jelena Sofronievich. For more episodes, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.